for what feels like the 10th time this season, somehow we yet again find ourselves international break. What is there to talk about during international break? It's certainly not international break storylines. And so today, myself and Mina have decided to give back to a club that's really in dire need. Today, we rebuild Manchester United again. You know the good thing is about the about this international break? What? It's the last one of 2023. We don't get another one until like February or March or whatever. Well, I should hope so, bro. Because to yeah. be honest, the next international break I want to see is the Euro. What is there left to play for here? Come on, guys, figure it out. Yeah. I genuinely cannot stand this break in club fixtures. And for no reason other than truthfully, if there should be an international break window, make it a window. Give us eight weeks of international break. And then agree. stop because this, agree. this format is new to this year. There, this did not happen every year. There's no way. I don't remember this ever happening where every three weeks we go on a two-week international break. That's what it's I, been. This yeah, is I literally the I third international break because of the season. We've only had like, usually we only have two international breaks and then we go to February. I don't right. know why they've seemingly added another one. Like there, there's world qualifications, there's friendlies, there's Euro qualifications. Like I was just watching Egypt right now playing, but it's weird for us because that's like the last World Cup qualifier till next year because then Africa goes on, on AFCON right. in, in the winter. So it's just like, what? there's three years left. Why are, we, why are we doing this right now? Yeah, why are we condensing the schedule? And to be honest, that's not the focus of today, but we'd be remiss if we didn't condemn international break at every opportunity because we don't like that it interrupts college football. Now, what it does give us is the opportunity to talk about topical events that don't have to do with week-by-week week content. And today, by the way, in case you haven't noticed already, I'm your host, Mr. Nathan Santos. That's Mina. Guys, today, for what I wish I could say was the first or the second or the third or the fourth. I don't know how many times we've rebuilt Manchester United, but I truthfully believe that we are making an impact here. I think that if good content exists, if plans for success are out there, we're doing our job. If you don't take it, that's not my problem. Like genuinely, I can say, I can hold up my hands, but like, I have done everything in my power to help this club succeed. And for me, not a fan of this club. In fact, a bitter rival to this club. <laughs> it speaks to integrity. That's why I'm here. That's why I do it for the love of the game and nothing more. Brethren, how's it going, dude? It's good, but we're right on time, isn't it? Like, we're right on time with oh, yeah. whereabouts in yeah, the yeah. cycle this episode usually happens. <laughs> exactly, right. We like, have this small window. Yeah, if we weren't going to say year. it would have been in the next month. It's not in the first year, and it usually the first year goes relatively well. And then sometime around now is usually where this episode comes in, and we're like, if they don't fix it this way, it's going to go badly within 6 to 12, maybe 18 months if the manager's lucky. And right. then the cycle just repeats. Right. And the last time we did this. United and how it's going so right now. Uh, you can't convince me that it's not about the club right now. If I'm not mistaken, the last United we rebuild we did was TJW 141, which Damn. was, we're on 219 now. So we are quite a long ways from that. And that was when I believe Ragnick was in charge. He was the interim boss. And it, we knew that Ten Hag was the successor. So we built the team for Ten Hag. Got it. And I maintain that if that club had been allowed to be built the way that we built it, in particular, yeah. don't forget, I had Chuameni, I had Leao, I had some real ballers oh, in yeah, that team. It was great. It would have been, it would have gone really, really well. 
what we've noticed now, and I want you to tell me in a second about the Sir Jim Radcliffe influence of it all, because he had bought a minority stake and what that actually means for the club. Where we're at now is Manchester United need fixing because there's this false narrative going around that United are like on the best form in the Premier League. Mm. And that's that's so that's the most stat padding stat that I've ever heard to just, hey, I don't watch football, but I've <laughs> seen these stats that say that this is this is not a problem. In the Premier League, what is it like four or five? Unbeaten or I think like it's that. four of the last five are wins. But of the last like 10 games, five yeah. of them are losses. So like this is absolutely No, but it's okay because true. you're not allowed you're you're not allowed to bring context into the conversation, right? That's you're fair, doing right. you're supposed to do whatever's convenient for your club. And right. we've seen Arsenal fans do this, we've seen Liverpool fans do this when they fail outside. Right. It doesn't matter, bro. Your league is your bread and butter. In right. fact, we've sacrificed other competitions so that we can get four <laughs> wins out of the last five in the Premier League. Nobody right. else so has had the foresight to do that. Fifth in the that's prem, actually bro. that's actually <laughs> genius. It's the way when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, right? That's the Big quote. Time. That's what's happening with United right now. And for some, maybe they're okay living in this place where they're like, "Well, I can tell myself everything's fine," or we can dial back the years on TJW and build a club up and tell you what's wrong because some people can't figure it out. I genuinely believe if this is your job and you can't figure out how to get there, that maybe you need help. And that's, that's what we're here mm. to do. So before we go into management personnel and everything on the pitch that we're going to make changes on, and we will, we are going to have an exodus here. I want you to start by telling me United are in the headlines, Sergeant Radcliffe, what happened? What's going on? Paolo Maldini's linked now. He's going to be starting at center back. No, United. I don't yeah, actually let's hate start that. him up. I don't care, man. What's, what's happening? I know he's running AC Milan right now, but I need someone to run a back four at the moment. Yeah, tell me what, what's happening here. Just give me like the brief, uh, the Spark Notes version of what the hell's going on. Well, it hasn't been fully announced yet, but the, the it seems like the domino effect is beginning. So 25% of the club's value has been raised by Sir Jim Radcliffe. He bought a minority stake. And, you know, I think it's when they announce it, I think it's to look towards being majority owner so it's it's a little bit of an influx of cash at the moment and then i think 10 years down the line like every year he's going to keep buying more and more shares until he is the majority owner i think that's the deal that they agreed on um and richard arnold got sacked the chairman that succeeded uh ed woodward uh, succeeded is quite rich i mean in lineage not in uh <laughs> not in operations success, right? yeah. uh so it i think it's going uh, you know obviously a little bit slower but that that's how things are when you run an oil tanker of a club. Um, I mean, if you want to overcomplicate things, usually people can go in and, and make some swift movements. So I don't know. We'll see who will. It highly depends on who they hire. Um, I think he had to do that in order to just show that he has somewhat of a of an influence on footballing matters rather than just mm. status quo. Um, so I think Richard Arnold was always in the firing line, regardless of who took over the club, just to you know, actually put a stamp on the ground and say, no, I'm I'm running the football side of things now and, and the Glazers are just collecting the cash. So we'll see how involved he actually is. Nobody knows how how involved he'll be, if he'll if he's gonna show up to games. Nobody knows who he's gonna hire instead of Richard Arnold. There's like this interim role of um uh, Professor X running the club, um mm -hmm. Patrick Stewart. <laughs> um and uh <laughs> They say Paul Mitchell might might end up running it, and Paul Mitchell was the guy that 
was with Pochettino at Southampton and Spurs. So he mm. obviously we know he can identify players. I think he's been working in France for a bit, Monaco. Like he built that stacked Monaco team. Or was that no, was that um the guy that that's at PSG right now? That was the dude at PSG. That's uh, yeah whose name is now escaping. He went he went somewhere that's and built another stack a stacked team. But um we'll we'll see. We'll see who they actually hire. If it's Paolo Maldini, fucking take off that suit and boot up, bro. <laughs> Because it is needed. get out there, yeah, right. Fair enough. Um, one group that I think can definitely help identify talent because we've been doing it for a long time is the Jersey Wall, and mm. I feel as though what we're about to lay out will help in some capacity if they choose to listen. Now, the feasibility we understand when we do rebuild. What are we doing when we do rebuilds? We do uh, fantasy meets reality with a twist of FIFA career mode. I like that description. It makes it fun. But in theory, what Chelsea showed us this year is that video game logic is actually a thing. Some people can go out and just pull the strings. Just like, okay, let's go get all the talent. I didn't think that that was actually possible to do. Because if you told Chelsea, hey, you know what you should do? Just like go like scout all go the prospects everyone. in the world and buy everyone. And then just like see what happens. Most people would have been able to say, yeah, but that won't work like there's going to be a huge time period that's going to be required for the squad to form together and buddy went yeah that's fine like we'll we'll, we'll we're going to take the video game approach so it may seem video game approach e but if new influxes of cash have been injected into the club and the club wants to say okay how do we completely change the culture that we have to do here there's a few things that need to change i will start with any rebuild that we do the first question has to be, whose team are we building here? And I ask you, Mina, based on what you've seen from a year and a little bit of Eric Ten Hag, is this the man you keep in charge of this project and you buy him more supporting players and you trust that he can build this club up to where you want it to be, which is ultimately rivaling City and getting back to their place at the top of the heap? Or is it that a complete overhaul is needed of squad and management and we're starting from scratch? I've taken an approach that um, that is a little bit more versatile, right? Like we okay. we were always saying, why can Chelsea succeed by changing managers every eighteen months? Uh, and it's because they had a very strong team and a very strong spine. So I've I've tried to take that approach, be while also selecting players that are good on the ball and and have the energy to move around, um, mm. and, and actually work on the press while also being good in the transition and right. having a little bit more possession. And I think he is, and when I say he, I've kept Eric Ten Hag in, in, for, as a manager for now, because right. I personally don't think that there's someone else out there that can warrant a position at the club. Not to say that there are not better managers in the world, the likes of De Zerbi and and we spoke about Xabi Alonso and, and, and the good work that he's doing. I'm just saying, I haven't seen a full Eric Ten Hag team or system yet. So let's let's mm. ride that project out to the end. We saw him try and implement some uh, some minor um, and temporary styles last year when he didn't have the the maybe the team that he fully wanted. Um, like so Frankie De Jong, he, he was targeting and couldn't get. So he tried to play a little bit more of a transitional counterattack in an approach, and that worked. Picked up steam towards the end of the season. And, and I think his plan was always for year two to have more footballing ability, but it hasn't worked that way out at all or worked out that way at all. He hasn't also hasn't had a full squad. So I've kept 
football players that are comfortable on the on the ball and ones that are able to play in transition and also physical and also compress. So that's the approach I went with, such that if Eric Tanhaug fails with this, we say this was a stacked team. We gave you 18 months or two years of this team and you haven't figured it out. Let's bring someone else in. And I think that's fair. And it's a team that works well with other managers if they want to come in and play their own style of play and and just change the instructions. I'm excited to see how you built the club for Ten Hag, having seen, like, basically you're giving him the benefit of the doubt. You're saying, okay, Eric, yeah. I trust that even though, and we talked about this briefly last week, like the entire Ten Hag system seemed as though it was predicated on getting Frankie Young, And because he didn't get it, or a Frankie Dion-esque player, there's very little structure to how United play. Now, Ten Hag has been described as a very pragmatic coach. He's not dynamic or eccentric or like these like buzzwords that would leave you to be excited. Yeah. And the thing is, I think that means that the squad lacks a little bit of identity if you're going to be pragmatic in your approach because it means you're just going to go with what you have and try to get the most out of that team. And that's fine for some clubs. And some clubs like Ajax, obviously the clearest example, the Ajax style of football is clear which means Ten Hag can play the Ajax style of football, but that does not mean that that's the Ten Hag style. And the reason that Ajax have that is because Ajax have a talent factory of youth, by the way, this season done horribly, right? So like, yeah. don't let, let that, don't forget that. There are times when the talent factory doesn't produce and then you're like, oh my God, we have huge lapses in quality. But for the most part, Ajax are notorious for that. Producing top tier talent, they end up moving on. But you have to be pragmatic because you have to look at what you have. What's coming through? How can I tweak the team based on the kids who are coming into my squad? Because I'm not buying them. I'm looking at the academy and going, wow, this kid's exceptional at this. Let's work that into the system. Yep. Whereas you walk into a final destination club like United, as they're supposed to be, and you're asked the question, what is your style of play? And it seemed as though Ten Hag said, well, my style of play is if I have a player like Frankie Jong in midfield, I can do pretty much anything because I know I can win midfield battles because he's that damn good. So he's going to set the pace of the game and he can bring people in as necessary. If he receives the ball with his back to opposition, he can pass it and then spin and then carry it forward. So if we want to carry, we can do that. If I want to sit back a little bit and I need a player who can play me out of tight spaces and then spring opposite, we can do that too. If I want to have somebody in the final third to, pay, to play a key ball, then I have that guy. But it's all extremely contingent on the cornerstone of Frankie de Jong or a Frankie de Jong-esque player. I'd also put like Enzo in that mix, Enzo Fernandez, yeah. because that's the profile, right? It's a transitional ball playing midfielder who can win games on his own in midfield. That's a very rare skill. So that's why they go for as much as they do. Because he didn't have that. And because I don't think there's a way for United to get Frankie de Jong out of, um, out of Barca to come to United. I found myself starting this rebuild without Eric Ten Hag. And mm. that surprised me because I was not of the mindset that Ten Hag was the problem. I actually don't think he's the problem. But the more I think about it and the more I scrutinize and the more I analyze, how do we get the most out of Ten Hag? How does he build his system? I think it's contingent on the right players, which is true for most managers. But you have to be able to adapt to other things. So what are you going to do when that guy doesn't exist? So Pep, let's say for I had these monsters in his team and Pep's a hard example because he's had the best of the best, but he had Busquets in that role. And then he moves to Bayern where he had Philip Lahm in that role succeeded by who? By Kimmich. And you're like, Jesus Christ. And then he comes to city and he's like, Hey, I don't have that here. So he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to convert Fernandinho into that. And Fernandinho being the unbelievable player he is figured out how to do that under Pep. And 
Fernandinho is one of the unsung heroes of the legends of City Court because he was able to do that until what? Until he started to age out and Pep went, oh, Rodri's that guy. And now we consider Rodri the best in the world at doing that. So identifying that talent, having the cornerstone of your team be that, Pep's always had that. So it's harsh for me to say, oh, well, Ten Hag, because you don't have that, you can't keep your job. But I don't see the route for Ten Hag to get that. So what I did is I went, okay, I have to assess the landscape of managers and look at the ones who are strong in their identity. And I believe no matter where they play, I see the football that they want to play. They're pragmatic because they make the most of what they have, but they make those players play the way that they want to play. And that is a tall, tall order because most managers go into clubs and go, bro, how am I going to do this? Ten Hag himself said, I can't play the Ajax way here because I don't have the personnel to do that. Yeah. Dude, that is shooting yourself in the foot because you're saying, I can't play that way without saying, you're also saying what we all know, right? Like, Yes, but I want to hear, I am Ten Hag. This is the Ten Hag way, and I'm going to convert Mason Mount into a ball-playing center. I'm going to pull Bruno back into the team, and he's going to be that guy for me. But he hasn't done that. He's looked for, okay, how do I have this player work with this player? And then what do I do on the, okay, I'm going to have this player on the wing, and I'm going to have him do this. And then I'm going to have a a right back, but this one's really good at defending, and this one's good at attacking. What am I going to do? It doesn't seem like he can figure out the questions that the team has. Mm -hmm. And so unbelievably, even though I don't think that this is Ten Hag's fault, I think that someone can do the job better. And the name of the game is figuring that out. Right now, the available options for managers, you could pick up on a free. Zidane, Hansi Flick, Antonio Conte, Graham Potter, right? There are managers out there who right now could walk into this job today, but this is hypothetical. I'm not going to go with any of them. I am going to go with Roberto De Zerbi, though. I actually don't disagree with with how you got to that approach. I also love Roberto De Zerbi. So I, it's it's not that, I, I want to be clear here. It's not that I think that Ten Hag is infallible and, and then he is the guy to lead us to the promise line. I think there are different ways that you can build this team and, and going yep. for a defined approach in a club that lacks culture is definitely needed at some point, right? So if, if you're going in fresh and we're saying, Okay, so Jim Radcliffe and whoever he appoints as as the chairman are now involved with footballing decisions. We need to reset a culture into this club that has been lacking one for the last 10 years. How do we do that? We bring a guy that is so sure of the way he wants to play. He sets the culture from the bottom up. And uh, and I, and I, I do like that approach. Um, my approach has been, I love what Ten Hag has been doing in the background he's he's so sure of himself off the pitch in terms of man management and and like his influence on the club on the backside yep. i think going bottom down or sorry top down rather than bottom up has been my approach with you taking the adverse approach so it's yeah. super exciting to me seeing how how we're actually going to build those teams um the ways of of yeah laying this out yeah because listen like on Deserbi, if we go to this approach, Deserbi takes all the boxes that I just listed, right? Mm-hmm. I believe that Deserbi, pragmatic enough to get the most out of his side, but more importantly, you guys are going to play the way I want to play. Because mm-hmm. if I can do it with a bunch of scrubs, which no offense to Brighton, they're, they're one of the best teams in the Prem now. They're one of the best teams in the Prem now because of him. Okay, He made them play that way, and he's adding value to every single one of them because they're able to play his style. I have no doubt that with the quality that United have, Deserbi can get more out of that group. I believe that firmly. I also believe, and I've said this a few times before, there are certain managers of the caliber to succeed Pep in a way that City won't have as substantial a drop-off as they'll want to have. And I've been wrong about a lot of them. I believe that a lot of the managers that I've said could have overtaken 
Pep at, at City eventually and still done well because of the quality of City's squad. What I neglected is the actual like benefactory, you know, influence of this yeah. next guy succeeding him, which is who's the best damn manager in the league? Bro, Derby out footballs yeah. Man City. That's crazy that he's able to do that. So for me, it's no question more than anything else. Deserbi is who when Pep eventually leaves, and he will, even if he stays at the job one more year, two more years, three more years. Pep is not getting the sack. Pep can leave anytime that he wants, yeah, and he I'll never be own. upset with him. He walks out into the sun, so we build 10 statues of him. He's a freaking one for every year that he, he'll have been in charge. Please. Deserbi's the guy who can carry on that legacy at that level. Yeah, definitely. He's that good of a coach. So if you know that and you go, okay, this dude can really succeed Pep at City because look at the football he plays, and you're a rival of City and you want to make sure that City don't continue to have that success, you go get the guy. And the guy's right there, and it's Deserbi. And though I said I believe that he can get the most out of the squad, I, for the sake of this rebuild, am not going to burden him with that responsibility. I am max, mass exodusing this squad where I think there's three guys that I kept and everybody else. Maybe you could tell me, what about him? Shouldn't he stay? Doesn't he have a place? Fine. You might convince me that a few could stay. So I'm I'm good. I think we've taken a very similar approach. You might convince me that there might be a third or fourth guy that could hang around because they're not a problem and they could probably grow under a manager like that. And I will hear that argument. But when I tell you position for position, every player is a new player. That's that's how I've done this because I I don't think that it could be worse for United. And I know they're sitting there in fifth and stat pad the whatever. I don't care. I don't think that if they went completely chemistryless and rebuilt from zero in one window where they fired everyone and brought in everybody. Chemistry list anyway. It's not like it would have it would have like hugely changed how chemistry list we are at the moment. That's exactly my point. I'm like, what's the point of keeping the team together with chemistry? I'm not married to anyone together. that's currently in the team, bar like one guy, and and you yeah. know who that guy is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if I if I give you a guess, five guesses to get the four players that I've kept in, you wouldn't need the fifth. That's They're going to the be the four that I have kept as well. And yeah. so we'll, we'll go th- we'll go through the team. So I'm not married to any of them. It's just I, I'm I like one of them, and and I love the other. I, I love one. I like the others. So I'm I'm that's where oh. I'm keeping it. Perfect. Shall we move on to actually the system, the teams, Please. how they play? Let's do it. We can we can start with, and to be fair, some of these managers have similarities, Ten Hag and, and Deserby. Some of them, they differ in different positions. We'll get to them as we have differences in our squads. I'm playing a 4-3-3, a 4-2-3-1, if you will, because I have a 10. What are you playing? Uh, 4-3-3, but the eight with a little bit more freedom to be a 10. So I think we're both on the same page here. All right. We're playing attacking teams because that's what the fan base wants to see for this club with the talent managers that they'll have and the squads on the pitch. Let's start in goal. They just brought in Onana. Onana has not had an easy time settling in, but last year he was the best goalie in the Champions League, and that's not up for discussion. He also finished top 30 in the Ballon d'Or rankings because of how important he was in that Champions League campaign. He has a skill set that very few goalkeepers on earth do, but wearing the United number one shirt is maybe a top three most like pressure some position in football. Who's your keeper? I've kept him. Yeah, he had a rocky start, but the last, I'd say, five weeks, he's been steadily improving and Mm. he's improving on goalkeeping stuff, right? Like he's saving, he's pulling out important saves. 
win or lose like he's actually doing his job and the goals that we concede if we do concede them are usually down to poor defending and being in exposed positions rather than the first half of the season where it was mainly down to him he was the liability where he was letting past him letting goals past him that he should have saved or he was in the wrong position or poor communication so that's why i've kept him i also don't he hasn't had a steady back four in front of him to communicate with so that definitely uh doesn't help so uh why have you kept him though at best, the back four in front of them is bad. Even if yeah, they have been exactly. steady, they're not Even good. Even if they're steady, yeah, they're shit. <laughs> so who cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not They're not very good. I've kept Onana as well. I think that Onana is actually a very, very good keeper um, with a lot to offer, yeah. especially in the modern football world. I think that there's Ederson, maybe a few others that I don't want to start listing because I don't feel like I'm, I'm ranking them and I don't want to do that. But Ederson is the cream of the crop, the absolute best at this. And Onana has that similar skill set, the distribution that he has, the comfort that he has on the ball. Sometimes Ederson gets criticized for the same thing. His positioning to save things is a little bit off sometimes. Like, right. oh, what are you doing? Like, that, that should be an easy save for the quality that you are. But being able to play out from the back is imperative for both of these managers' systems. And with Deserbi, you look at who he's been able to play out from the back with, and you're like, damn, bro, that, that guy's not very good. But yeah, like, he's got no right damn. to do what he's been doing. Right. So I, I would imagine that Deserbi will feel so comfortable with a keeper like this. And not to mention Ten Hag bought Onana from Ajax. He's like, it wasn't from L5, from yeah, Inter, yeah. but because of the well, Ajax, yeah, he's like, no, this is my keeper. I know that this is this dude can play the way I want to play. Steadily improving shot stopping is fine. And to be honest, a lot of people will say that that should be the most important role for a goalkeeper. And rightfully so. The goalkeeper has to be able to save the ball. But in modern football, if you're not conceding a lot of shots it's actually not the most important part of the game the most important part of the game is being that extra man in the back to play out to invite pressure and when you have a, the distribution of a keeper like this and you can set your forwards in motion just skipping over the entire pitch that's a skill set that is too hard to pass up on onana absolutely keeps his place as the number one in this united team regardless who we're rebuilding with yeah i agree and i think there's going to be more contended positions in the like later down the line so right both of us agreeing on onana I think it's pretty pretty much of a top in. All right, bro. Uh, we'll go to left back because we'll go for back fours here. And I'll tell you right off the bat, my team tilts. So my left back on paper is similar to Man City's left back on paper, which is that in game, this is much more of a back three. But instead of inverting my right back, my right back is is going wide my my right back is going to provide a lot of width and i say that because i don't want anything like why are you playing the center back at left back i'm not just chill hmm. relax okay yeah shocker the man city supporter chooses four center backs in this back four <laughs> i actually don't have four set i have three very clear center backs and then one I'm like kidding, kidding. wing back to just basically be like hey hot and said it i've been <laughs> doing it what do we do let's copy pat man how do we make this team more city-esque and I think that Deserbi, to be fair, he does that a lot. Like yeah, the way does. that he plays, he has wingbacks who he's get been, up. He's been using Pascal Gross at right back a lot as well. So Right, and that's to tuck in because he's been using yeah. Purvis Estupanan to get all the way up the pitch. So I'm going to ask him to flip here because the, the, the left back that I could bring in is not right for this role that I've built. But the right back I brought in, it'll be mirrored for Deserbi, but it'll still work. At left back, I'm going to keep a second United player. And this is where I'm going to put Lissandra Martinez. Okay. 
I actually don't mind that. I think his footballing ability and his ability to step out of the back line is so good at that. And plus, mm. we know the height argument and everything, but having a snappy, like, fiery left back that is able to be comfortable on the ball, uh, on the left side of things, that, that can tuck in to provide that cover, I'm not angry with that at all. No, I think that in a, like, I want, you want a left footer to play in what's going to be your back, back yeah. three. And he actually, though I don't like some attributes that he has, the team that I've built, it has personality, but it really removes a lot of toxicity. So I think having a few fiery characters in the team is important because if you don't have individuals, you're not going to succeed at that level. Mm -hmm. You really need some people to have fire and just like, yeah, every once in a while be brash. And that's okay because we'll figure it out. Like we need somebody to be brash with it. I don't need this like, five ten years ago type of fullback where i'm gonna have you like a ben chilwell where it's like you're good on both areas you're the perfect size you can cross i don't want leecha ever going up the pitch your job is to defend the space because next to him i have two new center backs coming in all of whom are going to have jobs specific to their area on the pitch but that's my left back he's a left center back in game i want you to tell me What's your back four look like? Start with your left back, I guess. You actually mentioned him a little not too long ago. I've I went with Purvis Stubanyan. Interesting. I'm I've taken a different approach where I'm having my six kind of provide that third man cover just to split the mm. two center backs. Yep, yep. Um, yep. and just sit basically and create from deep and and be that physical presence and blocking off channels. So, um, a bit more classic in that approach. But I've kept this Stubanyan because I want him to be flying on the left. I want him to overload that left hand side forwards and coming backwards in the cover so and we've seen that he can do that obviously in the brighton team i'm a big fan yeah he he's somebody who i thought about but for the way that my system plays here i actually don't think that purvis stupidon is that good <laughs> like yeah the Zerbi makes him look good he, at, at certain things it's actually really funny one of the uh one of the things that brighton tweeted <laughs> it was brighton versus wolves and Kaoru Matoma picked up the ball from half, dribbled through the whole team and scored. And they're like, yo, but check out this assist. From this assist. And it was, yeah. it was a four yard pass. He literally Classic. just gave him the ball to the left and Matoma had the thing. So I think when you look at the end of the season, like, oh, wow, you know, Stupinan got like 10 assists this season, for example. And I'd ask you how many of those were from crosses or from like, you know, plays where he beat a defender and cut it back. And I don't think that Estupanon actually does that a lot. He's got a lot of energy. He's got a lot of aggression. He does some things very well, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's actually like a top level footballer. And that kind of hurts me to say, cause he's, he's good, but I, I can appreciate though, having a six to split the center backs looking at my team. I actually have a very similar position, but the amount of times I've seen Josco Vardial playing so far up the pitch at left, I wonder if Licha has that in his game and I'm not seeing mm. it yet. For now, I'm asking him to protect the space, but having a left back that you plan on not defending as much because your center back is going to push your fullbacks out wider, it's a solid way of playing. I can't, can't yeah. really fault that. Yeah, that's pretty much right. it. There you go. All right, tell me, because I want you to lead the dance for these ones, your center back partnership is a big deal, dude. Yeah, I've kept I've kept Lissandro Martinez in his in his current role or the, the role that he actually plays when he's fit. Um and genuinely if if the CDM actually does end up splitting the center backs, Leach is playing a very similar role in our teams anyway, right. like the left center back role. And um uh and the other guy I went with is Jean-Claire Tudibo with the resurgence. 
Um, I like a lot of what that balance has to say. Uh, he's also someone that is really good on his on his feet. He's really good with the ball. He's very physical, um, but he's comfortable to to pass out from the back, and that is the name of the game at the moment, right? You're gonna laugh. Uh, the partner I've put next to the central right team is my team. The left center back of my team is going to be Jean Claude Thibault. Yeah, there you go. Had spells, by the way. He was looking like a top tier prospect. Moved to Barca, didn't settle in. Yeah, flopped. And now he's just resurging, kind of at Nice. But what's crazy? Nice has a manager here who's like 36 years old. We won't get into it because it's not that episode for today. Though he's doing a really, really good job. Uh, his name is um, Francesco Farioli, by the way. Nice have the fewest goals conceded in Europe outright. Wow. Their center backs are Dante. Remember him from Bayern 10 years no. ago? He was, yeah, he's 40 now. He, Stop. How's this guy still playing? Because he's playing next to Todibo, bro. And Todibo yeah, is actually, he's been linked with United for some time. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a huge, you're exactly right. It's kind of, it's a little bit cut from the Saliba cloth. And that's, that's high true. praise because Saliba is excellent. But it's everything that Saliba is excellent at is what Todibo is basically emulating. It's the physicality. It's the the assurance that he brings to the squad, the recovery abilities, the intelligence in defending. <laughs> I think Barca are a little pissed that they didn't like, that this is not the guy who they had. But the fact that he's found his form, yeah, now we can look at this as a negative. With Longley in the back four. Yeah, they could, they could kind of look at this as a negative to be like, well, we've seen him at top level before and he wasn't able to handle it. And I think that's a little bit premature because mm-hmm. that's not entirely true. He just maybe wasn't ready yet. Kevin De Bruyne at one point wasn't ready yet. And then yeah. that was 2011 to 2014. As of 2015, he became basically on the emergence to being the best midfielder in the world, where he's been comfortably for the last five, six years, right? So sometimes players need, even Saliba at one point, he had to go back to saint Etienne to then kind of build himself back up. And now at Arsenal, you can't dispute the importance. He's arguably, arguably the best defender in the league. And yeah. you could make a case for it because he really he plays He's in that conversation and strength. Absolutely. This also would for your back, like for your center back partnership, this would also be the traditional dog and cat. Yeah, if you will. Right. It's a nice tandem in defense. Um, my concern is that while told you and I have to hear your right back first. My concern is that while told you is an excellent center back who would provide a lot of assurance to the team, having Leach and Estupinan on the same side is a death wish, bro, <laughs> because <Yes>. them dudes <laughs> are getting sent off. Every game that is so <laughs> lack of composure. I hope that whoever the midfielder is that sits in front of them is just going to be guardian of the galaxy to protect these dudes because yeah. you got fire on that side. That's crazy. The heat you have. I Absolutely have Tozibo, but Tozibo in my caliente. team is going to be he's going to be the center mid, he's going to be the center of the center backs in because the I like his presence, yeah. I like his ability, I like the fact that he could be the role to basically double up if there's overloads on a side, he can move over to that side and and squish spaces. So who's on his right then? It's an excellent question. Who on his right is uh, Antonio Silva, mm-hmm. the Ruben Diaz successor at Benfica, at Benfica. who's okay. basically spawned a year ago and then was just automatically fantastic. Bro, I used to pray I used to pray with the when Portugal guys team. like Alves, bro, when the Portugal team, when we had these terrible center backs where we were putting like Danilo and William Carvalho, just like anything we could, we're like, Pepe's 40. Like, we can't keep going with this. Who can we play at center backs? And God, God gave me, he said, Nathan, here you go. Here's Ruben Diaz. And he did that for me. And then he said, you know what, Nathan, I'm going to get you a less fiery, less handsome Ruben Diaz. 
But with all the Rolls-Royce abilities, all of the <laughs> intelligence at, as a teenage center back who's growing into his frame, so he's not a monster yet, to be fair, but his football abilities are very, very good. The composure, the way he reads the game, his football intelligence, his passing ability, his height, his, you know, the, the way he reads the game is not always going for the challenge and winning the aerial duel, but throwing you off. So you win the aerial duel, but it goes for nothing, right? It's just like these little intangible qualities that you watch Benfica play and you're like, this guy's awesome. This guy's really, really, yeah. really good. And I think on a right side, because of his frame and the way that he plays the game, there's not a cause for concern there because he's not a player who's like a tackle happy center back who's like, yeah, I'm going to kill him. I don't need that for this team. I need strong composed will across the back line who can recover quickly running towards their goal. If they need to, who can make intelligent decisions, who can read the game from their position to know when to go short and when to go long. And I think that he has the abilities not only to do that currently, but to build into that big time. And when you put him in a coach like the Zerbi system, I think it only betters him because we've had players like dunk like lewis dunk yeah this dude's an onomatopoeia and he's he made him worth 50 60 million that's unbelievable imagine you give him god tier talent like this one by one who's so malleable and able to grow into the system the way he's going to understand football pre versus post deserby is going to be monumental and the fact that he emerged so ready already and he's only gotten better i think it's just it's not a big name and I think that's so important for United because there's a few places where I've splashed huge in the team to go get big names, but this doesn't need to be that position. Right. He needs to be able to cover the space that's going to be vacated by my right back who's going to be up the pitch the whole game. And I think when you have Antonio Silva filling that space and Todibo to kind of cover if necessary to drop back and, and support him, you have a really, really solid back line in game to kind of do whatever it is you need to. They're all, they're, they're not all tall to be fair because Obviously, one side is much shorter than the other, but they're all athletic enough to be able to play a high line and recover if necessary or physically strong or in Leach's case, tenacious enough so that if you have to defend deep, they're there. They're not going to get bullied, right. right? I think that this is a very complimentary pairing. And when you hear the right back, we're sending the team forward. We have an outlet on that side. That's a, as a great way to play for how this team wants to go. I do like the balance that you went with for the for the back four. Um, but if I can tell you my right back, I went Please. with throw the kitchen sink at it and <laughs> see what happens. Um, yeah, fair enough. I brought this name up before, and, and I know the concerns. I know the concerns that me. you're going to tell me. But we are going full kitchen sink, youth courage, success. Uh, Sir Alex Ferguson bombing forward. It is Denzel Dumfries on the right in the right back. No balance whatsoever. Let's go for it. Bro. <laughs> But the energy, the energy in the midfield is gonna make up for it. I don't I, like. It's not a silly team. It is a silly fullback situation. Um, yeah, but again, absolutely, it is not not as it's not as stupid as <laughs> absolute like Bro, skill. I, you know who I pity right now? I pity Todibo, who's gonna look at Leach oh, being sent off the fullback at the All corner energy flex, around him, and him just like, hey, Onana, what happened? Can we calm down? <laughs> Or um, Onana, bro. He's gonna be he's gonna be blamed forever because <laughs> he has absolutely zero coverage whatsoever. Totally hilarious, bro. It's okay, it. dude. It's, it's okay, but you're gonna see the the energy in the midfield, and and that's gonna make up for it. Give it to me. Give it to me. You right, want my, the midfield, uh, or do you want to sit? No, no. Your, let's your get right to. It. I'm gonna give you my right back. To be fair, I went a very similar approach, but uh, 
You I have more balance back. on the left than I have with Estupinian and, and Licha because uh, like what, what Estupinian lacks in terms of what Dem Dumfries is good at, he makes up for in fieriness and danger. So Right. <laughs> the way that you went is like you went all out attack. And I could I could respect that. Listen, there was a time this very summer when Spurs had wingbacks, and I'm like, you're crazy if you're gonna you can't have Poro and Destiny Udigi be uh, be fullbacks. It doesn't work. Like they're right. wingbacks. They're not going to be able to conform. And and to be fair, Edge did. He figured it out and he made them do that. So applause to them. I know <laughs> that Denzel Dumfries does not have that in him. I'm so <laughs> sure, Mina, because he's such an athlete, but this dude loves to be forward. And my right back who I've selected loves to be forward too. But I have ever so slightly more faith that he can adapt to a position than Dumfries, who I know is going to be like, not nah, balls over there. I'm going over there. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I am fully. Time. We're we're not doing we're not doing intelligence here. We're doing hope. I'm hoping right. that the Italians <laughs> have broken him just a little bit to bring him back, and that he speaks Dutch. So you know the boringness right. Dutch with Tenaghi yeah, can yeah, bring true. him back a little bit. Like I let's see. buddy, let's park it. Let's be a little bit more pragmatic, using all these vowels and, and throat sounds that we have, and the Italian defense. I'm I'm hoping that's in his mind a little bit. So what's funny is that I the Italian influence of my team is my coach, and the Dutch influence is that this guy's Dutch. I'm bringing in Jeremy Fringpong. Yeah, run it up, bro. That's I was thinking go, about Fringpong. I was thinking about with Frimpong, how I've built fair. this team. Fringpong's actually the, the right answer for yeah. this because Dumfries, while a wonderful player at certain things, like Purvis is stupid on a bit shit sometimes. Like there's some <laughs> things that he does that are just really not good because he's just he's mauling like his frame is so big i don't think he has full control over his frame when he gets going at full speed so playing into space fine but right. the cross he's going to put in is going into the you know the upper deck i think that frimpom is is more technical he's every bit as fast and clearly this he's season under sure. alonzo in particular he's been a great wingback for a long yeah. time but under alonzo alonzo's like nabi like i'm really gonna have you guys involved in scoring i think that the fact that he's been able to generate goals and assists coming from that side and that will be the outlet on that side where that's his responsibility is that the entire flank. I think running into the space, I don't know how he'll be one-on-one -on -one defending. I, I Genuinely, I don't know, but I'm not really asking him to do that. I don't think that Tariq Lamptey being five foot two is an outstanding 1v1 defender. But the technical quality that this guy has is like, bro, good luck. This guy's a monster. He's a right. monster. He's five two. That's crazy that he's so small and so good. And Frimpong's not very big, but I think that Deserbi will look at this and be like, I could use you. Like, I could really use you. I think that you're going to do some wonders for me, especially when you look at the way that my midfield and right winger operate. That flank will be for Frimpong to, to yeah, use. Yeah, Frimpong under Deserbi really relish nice. that space. Yeah, I think he'll relish dangerous. the space. We'll move into midfield here because we're running, we're running heavy, dude. We've yeah, yeah, been we going for some time. I didn't even realize. Um, tell me. Give me, do you have a six? Do you have two sixes? How does, tell me, how's it oriented? I have a six, a combative eight, and, and a bit more of a free roll eight uh, on the ball. Give so, it to me. Start with the six. Let's do it. Polina. Okay. I went steady-headed. Monster. And and again, I'll bring you back to the center-back discussion. He is the perfect guy to split that and provide a little bit of balance, provide a little bit of, of leadership and level-headedness um, and control in the pitch. And just to try to like block off the counterattack, block off the passing lanes. His frame, his footballing ability is crazy, and, and he's shining way too bright in Fulham right now. I actually completely agree. And Paulinho is the only name that I thought that you would say when you told me that your left side has 
uh, Martinez and <laughs> you're and, like uh, it needs Stupinac. to be Palina for this tour. I'm like you better have. But I was like, you need the Guardian of the Galaxy. I'm like, you better have some massive pork chop right there to defend that space. Yeah. And to be fair, Palina is exactly who I would have said because Palina is also in my team. Now, I he's not my only six though, and this is where I'm yeah. actually going to ask for more of Palina. Palina at one point it was not the World Cup, but the last Euro. Still mm-hmm. playing at sporting that I was like, this dude should be Rodri's cover. I think that he could be, he could fit that role really well. Cause he can do some things very, very well. And to be fair, I'm really glad that he's not because okay. I like that. We're <laughs> able to see his, his playing abilities. I don't think he would have been Calvin Phillips right now. He wouldn't have gotten any right. minutes. We wouldn't have known how good he actually is, but this is for me, vindication. The fact that I had to suffer through years of William Carvalho and Danilo in this, <laughs> in this team. And I'm like, no, I need somebody better. And Paulinho is like, no, I got you. Paulinha is that guy because the disruptive force that he is to provide cover for your team is not something that only lends itself to a relegation side. And the proof of that is that Thomas Tuchel went, I have Goretzka, I have Conrad Leimer, I have um, freaking uh, Kimmich there. I have all these players who would be in the conversation for like monsters in the center of the pitch. And he went, no, I still need Paulinha. Why? Why? Bayern don't get run through. Why Why would Bayern, a team with possession who dominate most teams, need a player like this if he's if his only purpose is to disrupt play and break things up? Because that's not the only thing he can do. He is having to do that, basically, at Fulham yeah, because he's always, Fulham he's always running backwards. Team. He's always trying to break up play yeah. to make sure that his team's not getting ripped through. But Paulinho with the ball, we see this for Portugal sometimes when he's playing there. Yeah, He's a different player. He actually has some abilities. And it's not the long-range passing, but it's the fact that he's adding solidity to the center of the park so that if you're going to try something, that you're trying to split lines and it gets intercepted, Paulinho's on it. Right there, right then. Which means we're going to recycle our possession at that point. So I don't need Paulinho to be the passer, the line breaker, anything like that. But I do need him to be the solid force on set pieces. I need him to protect this back line that I have when we don't have the ball and to recover and run and intercept and leave physicality on the pitch because you need somebody like this in the middle of the park. It's important to get smart technical fouls to progress the ball forward, which he actually can do. People don't always see that because, let's be real, people don't watch Fulham very often. Paulinha has that to his game, and I have him in my team for that exact reason. Nice. He's not my ball player. Okay. I have Paulinho. Who's your ball like, player? My ball player is Martin Zubimendi. Okay. I'm not super. I'm familiar with the name, not super familiar with the profile. So why don't you educate me a little bit? I had to do a lot of scouting on Sociedad because Sociedad are having an excellent season, and I've seen Zubimendi and I've seen um, Mikel Marino and players of of the type here at Sociedad being linked with big teams who play a very particular style because the abilities they have. So I. I started looking. I'm like, okay, show me. And I started reading scouting reports and I started reading why. What like Which what makes David these players Silva's actually really good? Not David Silva's replacement. Sergio Busquets' replacement. Ah, damn. Because there is the lost art of football. It's the Busquets. It's the Rodri. It's the Philip Blom at the end when he became a midfielder instead of the fullback. There's players who do this, who can break lines and throw opposition off their game with little shifts and then short passes. That skill set is so overlooked so often. But if this guy's controlling the tempo of your team, you can win football matches. Because Mm -hmm. let's be real, Brighton having way worse players are capable of holding possession and outplaying sides that are known for their football. Brighton can do that currently. What if I inject dubbed 
the Busquets replacement, the next, and obviously it's it's Rodri, right? Like we understand that, but of the of that cloth, and so I found him, Martin Zubamendi, <laughs> his short passing, right? His, but it's 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 the eye test. It's the way that he breaks lines with passes, but it's not always in the way that David Silva does in the space. So I'm going to get to the ten in a second here. It's not a player who I necessarily need to be my Luka Modric and be box to box in this. I, I've kind of resided that my team won't necessarily have that, but that. My team's going to have a lot of pieces around it to build the ball forward as we need. But really, the passing is going to be integral to the game because, bro, Tiki Taka is something special, right? There's not a whole lot of movement in Tiki Taka. It's just, yeah, of I'm going to move here, give me the ball, go here, and it's rotation pieces. But the passing is what's key here. The fact that he's capable of doing the interceptions thing, but not with the same physicality necessarily of a Palinha. But this dude can slow the game down when he needs to and pick the game up when he needs to. And set people in transition when he wants or move the ball and give it to somebody who can spark creativity and then sit back and go, okay, what's next? Let me read the game. Let me assess where I need to be. Having two sixes seems weird, but two sixes with completely different profiles. I actually think when we talk about reestablishing like the culture of Manchester United and removing the vile energy, I think having the solidity in the park of players with this skill set, it removes a lot of toxicity because these guys can play football. Right. Oh. And when they're there doing their thing, and there's not toxicity because you're not like, oh, why would you try that path? Or why are you kicking about? And they're not doing that. They're literally just playing their game, which is beating other teams because their skill sets align perfectly with what Deserby needs them to do. And their abilities allow them to do it at the very, very top level. They're cooking. Yeah. They're doing excellent work. Zubi Mendy is that dude. I think for the future. And I think what's going to happen very, very shortly is that he's going to get picked up by a much larger club. And it may be somebody like Arsenal. It may be somebody like Barcelona. It may be somebody looking for this going, this dude is not a sexy name, but this dude, neither was Tony Cruz at one point. Tony Cruz bought for That's 25 mil and won five Champions Leagues. What if we are able to recreate that? I think when you spend in some of the places that United will have to in this rebuild, this name will go under the, this name will not come with a lot of expectations. And having that is so important to calibrate some of the names that will have big expectations because you'll be like, huh, why am I never upset about the midfield anymore? What? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just that thought will be gone. You're like, what the hell happened? How, why are we, we're just controlling games in midfield. And that's exactly what's going to happen with these two players. Now I have a lot of midfield options that I could have gone with. Some are younger than others. Some are, this dude's like, I think he's 25, 26. He's like right in that kind of prime year where you can have him for some time now, but he's not so young that you're like, yo, this dude could reach this level. Right. There's a few names that I could alternate either of these dudes for and, and try to put in. Joao Neves is one of them, by the way, linked from Benfica. This is the dude who Bruno just came back and be like, yo, we need to sign this kid. He's outside. Yeah. He's the little warrior from Seychelles. He really is like dubbed the... I won't say Luka Modric, but basically like the more defensive-minded version of that. He can carry, he can tackle, he's small, he's mighty. He's not necessarily the greatest dribbler, but he's a little warrior in midfield that you have. That's Real Neves. You could also do Arthur Vermeeren, who's for, it, currently playing in the Belgian League, and this dude's dubbed something really, really special where Barca are like, oh my God, we need this kid. But another one, really good at these little passing lanes and kind of, you know, carrying the ball forward as necessary in the center of the park, but small and prospects who you hope can be world-class, but you don't know if they'll get there. These are alternative options that you could look, even look to to sign as backups if you wanted to. Yeah, definitely. Cause but I think if you're, we're focusing on lineups right now, but the, exactly. the 25 man squad needs refreshing all around. So a hundred percent. Exactly. Especially with all the absences, we're going to just kick people. Exactly. Out. I think though that, 
with the back line that I've assembled, with how it's balanced, having these two in front of it. It's a very good base. Good luck. It's good a very luck good base. To everybody yeah. else. Because you're going to have a real tough time breaking that down and, and taking the ball from them because they're able to, to do a lot of things with it. But I've been talking for a little while. That's how I've kind of shaped my midfield here. Give me your other midfielder. I've enlisted the, a tank, basically, just right next to Paulinho. Next and, to Paulinho? <laughs> and a very unused tank, under underused tank. Uh, I went with Frank Kessie as my combative box-to-box number eight. Gonna steal it from Saudi Arabia? Stacked. Yes. Hey, Al Ali. Uh, can I get, uh, can I get I'm Gabriel bringing Vega him back a, to uh, Europe, Kessie, dude. Please? Yeah, yeah, I love it, dude. Tell me and more. He's you gonna be cheap because, Kessie. listen, bro, you want money, you, okay, stay in Saudi Arabia. But do you want to still be playing in Europe and be like, hey, Barcelona really didn't know how to use me. I want to be back to the people, to the way I was playing at AC Milan. Come right here, dude. I need him in the team because I was looking for someone that is that is cheap, someone that will always play at a hundred percent. And right. uh, and we saw when when United played Barcelona, he was he was sick, right? Like he was or AC Milan, bro, dominant. Yeah, and and, and a, at AC Milan, Milan right? Yeah. He was so dominant. Now he ended up being on the losing side of both of those occasions. <laughs> if you want to win, sometimes maybe you want to come join the red team. um yeah i I need that because he's going to be providing me with with the physicality of covering for when denzel dumfries is so high up uh and he's also going to be you know providing a lot of the third man runs in the midfield um breaking up play and also on the offensive side he does love a good late addition into the box and you see what united don't have at the moment in in addition to plenty of other things but (laughs) just <laughs> you know, you know, don't the have numbers to in a the lot box. of things. Yeah, there's a lot of right things. now. But one of them is <laughs> there there are no bodies in the box. When right. on the off chance that we do end up going to the final third and cutting back, it's usually Hoyland in the middle and then nobody nobody else is there. Right. There's right. nobody providing that late man run into the box. There's nobody providing that cover. No one's making defenders think about their positions or their late runs or who are they picking up behind them. Frank Kessie delivers that in magnitude because you see a mm. huge dude just running at you with pace and power and to back it up with footballing ability and just to be able to pick out a corner he's going to de- deliver so hot so much on the front end of things but he's also going i like this player is perfect for for the transition right he, for palinia to switch it regardless which way or the other he's always going to find Frank Kessie there in the position that he wants him to be so right. that's that's what i'm what i'm looking for in in the midfield I love the Frank Kessie show. You know, I'm a huge, huge fan of his. I wonder if Saudi clubs, given how they're trying to build teams, are interested at all in selling players. I don't think they care. I think they're like, no, like we're hmm. we're not in the selling market right now because we're buying players. So it doesn't matter how much, like obviously yeah. money is of no concern to any of the clubs, right? They're like, who cares? What are you going to do? Buy them? Okay. May I and interest you? In a Scott McTominay, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> offer them a substitute. Sauce. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I, I like the shout. I like that type of midfield. Uh, I'd say that if you're looking within Europe for somebody who actually probably is interested in staying in Europe and, and trying to move up like this, um, maybe somebody of the profile of like a Kefran Turam who plays for Nice. I think that he's on the way to ascending to the Francesi status. Okay. Not that he will be able to do that. 100%. I, I'm not convinced. Yeah, I, I don't think that he's th- that level yet. 
but he is everywhere in the middle of the park. And I think that the next element to his game that he could end is what if he adds that final product, like, like, you know, getting goals and being on penalties and, you know, destroying both ways. He does that currently. What if we offer a little bit of creativity on the ball? It's a big ask. Right. It's a big ask to just say, Oh yeah. Can you also add this to your game? I'm not saying that he can, but I think that Turam in midfield is kind of what you're going for with, you know, it's more up end potential, but bro, if you could take like peak Frank Essie from like Daisy Milan days and bro, say, that would be pop this dude in the team. That's honestly, man, even, even at the Barcelona days, because he was so dominant in that midfield when we played them. Like genuinely, right. he was so he was just dominant. unused. I feel bad. I feel like he was out of form at Barca because they just didn't give him the, the keys that they totally could have. And that to be fair, he's a only lot 26. Of teams... Like, what are you doing? Inside he's only 26 or? currently. Yeah, he's only 26. I couldn't believe it. No, yeah, Frank Kessie. Frank Kessie no, is I'm not having this. Years old. I, I'm no looking way, at it capping. right now. This is not right. Frank Kessie is that's crazy. Years old. December 19th, 1996. So he's about to be 27. He's about to be 27. But that's prime. Still, still you need you can use that for another four years minimum. Oh, at least. Especially for a player of his, his know, profile. Status. Yeah. He's a beast. Yeah. Damn, damn, dude. All right. F- you know what? Fair enough. Like, this is not a 32-year-old Frank Kessie that has gone to Saudi Arabia to collect some cash. No, he this is feels a- like he's old, bro. Yeah. <laughs> this is because he's not that old. He was when he was younger and, and just ended up storming everybody at AC Milan. So if you can be like, right. listen, dude, you're spending the prime time of your career outside of Europe. We need you right yeah. now. And, right. and if you want to actually be serious about uh, your footballing career club-wise, but also mm. level up Cote d'Ivoire, right? You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come, have the profile over here. Right. Fair enough. Yeah, dude, especially at 26. Like, hey, you've been playing there. Even if it's for a year, you made 300K a week. What do you think we're going to give you? You think we're going to give you less? Yeah, <laughs> Bro, pretty much. United here. They're going to pay all the freaking money in the world anyway. Hand them the bags and bring them back. I actually don't dislike that, shot. I like it quite a bit. That's a fun team that you've assembled right. here. Uh, give me your number, you know, more adventurous. Eight slash ten. Eight slash ten. I've thought about this one a lot because this is one of the, the players that I was going to replace with someone like a Mohamed Kudus. I don't know if you have Kudus in your team. But, I don't, but he's a freaking monster. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I show. was going to play a, a 4 2 3 1 with Kudus in the 10, kind of like a supporting striker role um, yep. to come in centrally. Bruno. But I thought about Bruno a lot and I ended up taking the captaincy off him just to take that a little bit of pressure off him um, and letting him play that role because I don't like it when he's so high up that he's basically a supporting striker. And I don't like it when he's so right. far back that he's spraying balls left right and center trying to be post goals and then it doesn't land and it goes out of play Mm -hmm. all the time i don't like that at all i want him to be so sure of what's behind him that he can just take the ball and look up he never has to look behind him because he knows that Bellini and kessie are going to be right there not to mention that (laughs) kessie is going always going to provide an option to switch the ball to the other side and kessie's Mm -hmm. not a he's not shit on the ball either so he can deliver the balls in whereas right now what i think is hampering Bruno is not only is he the only midfielder that can create chances in the team, he's the only player that can create chances in the team. And if it's not going through him, it's not going at all. Whereas with the rest of his team, you're going to have players that are constantly moving in front of you, constantly providing an option for a pass, constantly providing an option for a a switch of the ball. And, uh, you know, a casual switch of the ball on the other, he's got that in his locker, but he's also got the the ability to read the space ahead of him when he's not Mm -hmm. worried about, the foundation behind it when he's worried about the foundation behind him he's scared and then he's rushed with the ball because he's not sure of he's like if i don't get this ball out of my feet right now someone's going to take it and and we're 
off it on the counter attack the other yeah. side. <laughs> right. So I like that a lot from Bruno. And he's when he's playing a little bit more of a, a pulled back role, he doesn't have to contend with the opposing CDM as much. And we know that mm-hmm. he's not a physical player, and that's where they get in his head so much. But if he's taken just five to ten yards back, he can see the pitch in front of him, lay off a couple passes, then create the chance. I think that's going to be a perfect role for him. And without having the pressure of a captaincy, and by the way, I've made Palinia my captain just because he's got that calming presence. Right. Without that pressure, go do your thing. Go be the star of the team where it flows through you, but without the pressure of having to worry about being the role model or being the leader or being the only one that can create because we've got other creators in this team. Yeah, that's fair. I've I had a tough time with this as well. Because Bruno is so talented and like has has pulled up so many important moments for United. Watch moments, yeah. That I'm like, man, it feels weird to just be like, sorry, Bruno, you're out of this team too. But I did throw him out of this team too, <laughs> if I'm honest. I was like, I don't think he bro. fits a Deserby side, so I don't blame you. I I wonder how Deserby could get him to fit a Deserby side because there's a lot of attributes, a lot of skills that he has that I think would lend itself to a Deserby side if Deserby wanted to include them. I just feel like there's a few players in the team that the culture is tied to and that they're lightning rods for when things go wrong. Yep. And I feel like it's inevitable that Bruno keeps that regardless of what happens, regardless of how well he plays. I think that's how people are going to look at him. They're going to say, Oh, you know, Bruno is this Bruno is that look, we, we you know, he's, he's kicking the pitch again, whatever. And I think that you have to remove that entirely. So while I think Bruno has a lot to offer, I actually I'm think that that'll help you get a good transfer sum for him, but now Saudi Arabia is linked with Bruno for like a hundred mil, bro. Take that. Yeah. And go buy Florian Verts. Yeah. Florian because Verts I don't is, think yeah. that Florian Verts, I don't think people will be capable of pointing at Florian Verts and being like, you're the problem because I think that Florian Verts is cute. You know what I mean? Like he's so like, he's, it doesn't seem like a figure that you'd want to pile on, but at the same time, he's so good at football yeah. and at connect and like breaking lines. Like this is a David Silva region. You know what I mean? This is a player who like can shift and sit people down and just finesse things a little bit, but play these, thread the needle type balls that other people are not capable of playing. And I think if you put him in a team where he has Liberty from behind him, as we're seeing currently at Leverkusen, he has like a freedom role at a 10 where he can also bring players into, into play and drift into spaces and link up with those players to then either help them score or score himself. It's a manager's dream. He, he'll make, he'll work under pretty much any manager in the world. Cause every top manager in the world will look at him and be like, Yo, how do I get the most out of Florian Everybody Verts? I don't have to do like very much. Right. There's not a whole... Even Chabi Alonso's like, bro, you think yeah. I taught him how to score goals like that? I, he just does it. I'm not teaching him how to do it. <laughs> I'm a good manager because I let Florian Verts get the football and do what Florian Verts wants with it. Carlo Ancelotti, I'm a great manager because I put Jude Bellingham in a free roam spot and I let Jude Bellingham figure it out. And bro celebrates the same way every time. I feel like that's what's to come. And to be fair, Bruno's had a lot of freedom in the roles that he's had as well. And he's produced a lot of great moments. He's he's one of the players in the world with one of the best striking of a football abilities in the world. Bruno has that. He does. So I'm concerned slightly that that's not what Florian Verts has. It's not necessarily, it's more finesse. It's less bang right. and more finesse. But I feel at this point in the squad, finesse is necessary. I need some players 
who can link up. And I have surrounded Florian Verts by players who can score and players who he can link up with. Where I don't know that you'll have in the team that I've built a 30-goal scorer a year, mm-hmm. but I think you'll have a lot of goals in the team the same way that Brighton do because Deserby generates shots. And the strikers that I brought in are can shoot the ball because that's part of why their, their conversion rate is as high as it is. So I like the – I actually would be devastated if Florian Verts went to United. They'd be so disappointed. I'd be almost <laughs> as upset as when Shobosley went to Liverpool. To like, Liverpool. Yeah. Oh, please. Or when Enzo went to Chelsea. I'm like, why are you taking all my favorite players? I don't want to see these guys at these clubs. I love these players. <laughs> I would be devastated to see Florian Verts playing for United, but I think that's because I know how because good, of how he, good would, he is. Yeah, he he is, and how good he. Would it was do. the same like Frankie De Jong factor. Like, no, please don't, please don't ruin this guy again. Like, please don't. Yeah, go. exactly. Yeah, like, don't ruin these dudes, yeah. man. All of these guys who I put in the team, I like them. You think I want to see these guys playing for United? Absolutely not. But the integrity I have to say this is the way to succeed. Yeah, it's true. It. it is. It is true. Florian Verts would provide a lot of skill to this team he'd be able to link up play and he'd be able to move the ball forward and bring people into play and I think without necessarily the same the way that he plays isn't as emotional as Bruno he wouldn't be subject to as much criticism which I think is a huge factor for the amount of negativity that United have all the time yeah I, I don't mind you taking that out um, ter- in terms of just refreshing the the culture again right like yeah uh, we all know Bruno's a bowler when when he's when his the limelight it's not on him to be as emotional mm-hmm. as he is so i think culturally if you take him out again I, I don't mind that i told you i'm not married to any of these players yeah fair shall we go to the front line yes front line start at left wing left sure. midfield sure go for it i kept marcus rashford not because of a allegiances to academy or, or whatnot but i truly think he has something to deliver when he's not the only guy and and i think he needs to be reminded you are not the only guy yeah you scored 30 goals last season but you're not the only one that is supposed to be scoring goals here create for your striker and, and the striker that i brought in will right. demand that of him right we we saw this with plenty of of players before but the one that sticks out in my mind as a fan growing up watching it is is when Ruud van Nistor was like hey Ronaldo stop doing all these fucking step overs and cross <laughs> the ball every once in a while right. um <laughs> and I think that if like, you, I can't if, time my runs yeah bro. I can't like, time my runs when I don't know when you're gonna cross so I think yeah. um I think Rashford has to learn that so many times he's been put out wide because Lukaku came in or because Latin came in or because Cavani came in I think you just need to make that position your own. And I think that is the position that he prefers over anything Mm. with the knowledge that the striker is going to absolutely demand that you create for him rather than always try to be on the ball. And I think this season just, just been disastrous because he's, he himself feels that he's underperforming and he wants to do everything to try and to try and counteract that and, and to get out of that slump but almost always the best players will tell you slumps will come. You just have to keep doing what you know has worked and yeah. will work. And at the end, it will it will come. You will score. Yeah. And then at that point, you will be unstoppable because it's mm-hmm. just you're in a slump. But if you keep continuing to do what you know that you're good at, it's going to come. I want to ask you something. Does Rashford have, in your opinion, world-class potential? No. I don't think so. What is Rashford's ceiling? I think his ceiling is a 15 goal a season winger, which is fucking outstanding, to be honest. 
in this day and age. Interesting. As a winger. So right, like he has right. scored 30 goals in the past, but that he was predominantly playing as a striker. I want him to be a 15 right. goals, double digit assists uh per season as a winger. And and that is the best, to be honest. So we're not convinced that Rashford has the upper echelon potential of being a world beater capable of getting 30, 40 goals a season. I think he'll have seasons where he where he gets that, but I don't think it's going to be every season. And that's world-class to me. World-class to yeah. me is consistently 25-plus goals. I think he can have that every once in a while. Mm. But uh, if you make a striker your focus, which should be your focus, because they, they're good at getting goals, and, and Rashford's main skill is not... Uh, is not scoring um i think he will have seasons where he gets that but i want him to be a minimum 15 goals 15, 10 assists winger and if he gets to 2025 20, great if he doesn't i'm happy see i had a lot of i had a lot of trouble with left wing Me too. and the reason is that i don't think that deserby wants a rashford because the way that i want rashford to be positioned is similar to the end of CR7 at Madrid, mm -hmm. which is basically like the nuclear weapon, right? So it's, yo, you got to learn how to just finish in all circumstances. Headers, athletic goals, free kicks, penalties, cutbacks, left foot, right foot, chops, whatever it is you have to do, that's your job. Just do that. I don't need you to take people on. I don't need you to beat people on one-on-one. -on -one. I don't need you to link up play. I don't need you to do anything like that. I need you to be a scorer. And I'm having a lot of difficulty figuring out how Deserbi is going to do that when he uses a player like Kaoru Matoma currently to beat a whole bunch of people, use his individual brilliance to take people on and cut it back for somebody who can score. So I have a debate here because part of me brought in Kaoru Matoma. I did. And the first draft I did, I was like, I need Matoma there. But then I went, where are my goals going to come from? Because like, even I brought in a striker. I brought in a striker who doesn't have name value. I did that on purpose because I think somebody who can finish, but it's not that dude who's going to come in with a hundred mil price tag because i don't think that's worked historically i don't think we can point to very many examples of 100 million plus transfers that have worked out that have lived up to the hype or the potential there's very few that have mm -hmm. so i think it's important for the dna of manchester united in some capacity to keep rashford i think rashford is hope for that club that like we can still hang on to Sir Alex Ferguson in some way where we'll have an academy player be one of our own who can ascend to a level to be one of the spearhead figures at this club and provide us with what we need. And we have seen seasons of Rashford scoring yep. a lot of goals. So I feel like he's capable of that. But then I see him sometimes and I'm like, how are you this bad, bro? Like these are not... It's simple things we're doing wrong here. What are you doing? Yeah. Trying to take on the whole team is not your skill set. Stop doing that. That's not what you can do. I'm fine with that. But if you get a cutback from the six-yard box and you're hitting it at the keeper's stomach because you're side-footing it, that's yeah. your fault. That's not okay. So I've elected for this project. I have I've kept Rashford as the starting winger in this team. Though I am concerned about my left side in that scenario because I have a nuclear weapon here and I don't have a winger on that side. Mm -hmm. So I brought in Matoma to be the winger on that side to provide the outlet because let's face it, I'm not getting overlaps from Licha. That's the whole point. But maybe Rashford has more to him and maybe Deserbi can get that out of him because Kaoru Matoma had a university degree in dribbling, but Roberto Deserbi put it into practice, right? 
maybe Deserby is able to coach Rashford into a player where he can get on the end of switches from the right side, run into space and finish. And if he can do that, that's how I envision this. I think that he's a player who can get a lot of goals. He actually is quite a coachable player. And I think that if if someone coaches him on how to be in the right position at the right time, he'll kick into auto mode and then do that. I think he's missing right. so much coaching yeah. uh, in, in terms of how to get the best out of your abilities that he has to rely on his own skill set and his own problem solving. And when that just right. isn't based on confidence, it always fails. But when he is confident, mm. we've seen this guy pull out fucking elasticos and, and running through people or, or cunning yeah. back and scoring. We've seen him do that. So if you add coaching to that, I think he, he will become a machine. I agree. I think that with the right coaching, it's not a player you should give up on just yet. Yeah. So I'm keeping Rashford in this spot because I really feel like I have a vision of how Florian Verts plays this ball in or how Frimpong plays the ball in where he's kind of running in from the back post all the time and he can yeah. get goals from those positions. And we've seen when he's feeling confident, he's a player who can take people on, but he needs to be coached better into how to do that because Leao is the top of the food chain when it comes to over six foot wingers who can score and dribble. And Rashford, as much as people I think wanted him to be that, and I think at one point was probably better than Leao, is now not close. Rafael Leao is so much better at so many things. And to be honest, there's another version of this where it's like, yeah, United just go get Rafael Leao. And then obviously you're golden. That's initially yeah. what I was going to do, actually. That's what I did the first Ten Hag rebuild. That you yeah. remember? I said, go get Leao because that's that was what was going to happen. And, uh, and since then, Leao has risen to one of the best players in the world. And Rashford had a great run of form last season, followed by a terrible run of form this season. Some consistency needs to be found. And I feel as though Deserby is the right person to figure that out. And if I'm wrong, then let's go get another guy. Yeah, so I, I have options. Right, that was, that was Karu Matoma. That was Pedro Neto, who's a baller, but who cannot stay fit for the life of him. Those are alternative options to succeed okay. Rashford if he can't figure it out. You want to do right wing and then end with striker? Sure. Let's do right wing, end with striker. Tell me. Right wing, I'm. I struggled a lot with the right wing actually, and I actually reached out to Joe for this for for help with this. So <laughs> shout out Joe. Um, shout out Joe. I've selected Nico Williams of the Williams brothers at Bilbao. Ooh. Um, Joe selected Nico Williams, and I <laughs> and I took his word for it. I think he would offer a lot of of balance on the right hand side, and and I'm not entirely sure what his profile is, um, but I'm gonna trust Joe. And I'm going to say mm. Nico Williams. Um, yeah, that's it. Knowing more about Nico Williams, why don't you tell me why I have him in the team? <laughs> Knowing what I know about Nico Williams, I would not have put Nico Williams if I'm honest. Fuck you, Joe. Uh, because, <laughs> okay, chance creator, tall figure, good pace, good explosion. That's fine for a right winger, but a right-footed right winger on the same side as Denzel Dumfries, who's a right-footed attacker. I just see, I don't see enough there to complement things. I don't see overlaps the there. Solving? I don't see cutting in there. I don't, because he's right footed. He's not, he's not yeah. going to do that. And not, not to mention he plays through the middle, like a lot. So sometimes he's playing like, you know, on the wing and fine, but other, a lot of times he's playing through the middle or off the right. I guess that's fine. It's a bit of an outlet ball. I don't think that Nico Williams is the best player to fill that position. And I don't think he's the best player to fill that position, especially if you have Denzel Dumfries there. Okay. So you tell me who you have right wing 
And is it the profile of what I was looking for that Joe just failed to deliver on for me? It's a better fit, I think, who you have, who you should have in this position. It's, um, and I'm going to tell you, it's not a player that you might be excited by because you may not know how exciting he is. Okay. But this is one of those, if you know, you know. Takefusa Kubo was once dubbed like the, the, the Japanese Madrid Messi. guy, right? Got him. From Madrid. He's been a real associate yeah. for the last several years. And he's blossoming into the the big time player mm -hmm. like he's becoming the dude that liverpool will look at to succeed mo salah because the style that he plays is what salah will do right and salah obviously has adapted his game a lot over the past couple of years but basically um kubo is a chance creator a shot taker a goal scorer this season he's emerging into this thing and because he's left-footed playing on the right side that's what you want that's really what you want. That's Bernardo. That's Foden. That's what you want when there's an overlap coming. Yep. If you have two dudes who are going to both just try to sprint to the byline because neither of them be cutting because they don't have the Doesn't left fit. foot, it's not going to work. It's, it's just not going to fit, in my opinion, the way that the team should be playing. Whereas if I have Kubo come in, which he will because he looks to do that a lot, Kubo's left with more options than if he was right-footed. And those options are, do I cut in a la Aryan Robin and look for a shot? Do I cut in like Aryan Robin and look for a ball over the top for a winger over there? Do I cut in and look for a link-up play with Florian Verts who's going to yeah. give me a give-and-go and then I can go in and then either cut it back or take on a shooting position? Do I look for an overlap from Pringpong who will always be there for an overlap? A left-footed chance creator right winger is who's needed for this position, and I would argue that's what they wanted Anthony to be, and Anthony is not working right. that way. So I'm not going to keep Anthony. I think that Anthony... I don't care how much I'll take from him. you there. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, not that guy, bro. As much as they wanted him to be, Oh, he's a really exciting prospect. He's Brazilian. He has marketability. He's got flares, got trickery may have those things, but he doesn't have the skill set or the frame of mind to be that player. He's not very coachable. He's, he's really, really bad under pressure. Okay. That's yeah. absolutely true. He doesn't look for crosses. He looks for so take on decision-making terrible decision making and i think that kubo's ascended into a player that is much better at this his dribbling is outstanding his chance creation is very good his link up play um it, because he's becoming a shot taker as well and deserve generates shots i think that lends itself really nicely to a poacher striker who i have to basically clean up if your keeper makes a mistake striker is scoring but if he's looking for a cutback strikers making the right position because he's a poacher and the poacher is the right profile of striker for the system i've assembled where he doesn't need to be a megastar because he doesn't need to have pace he doesn't need to be um you know have tremendous ball carrying abilities he doesn't need to have very many attributes that world-class number nines have where they're all of the above he doesn't need to have that he needs to be a poacher in the box a fox in the box to pick up on loose ends finish cutbacks and uh capitalize on spilled mistakes from keepers and i have a striker who can do that so i'll bring mine up now on the note of the striker because it works really well with kubo and it's serhu girassi crazy that we didn't know who this dude was a year ago you could say okay well how about we bring in evan ferguson to be his successor because we do need a big time boy to lead the line at united and i would argue no you don't you need a striker capable of finishing chances and taking shots if you have, and we're going full money ball here, I'm going full money ball here because I'm overlooking all the things that everyone would like for us to look at and look at two things. 
Serhu Garasi scores a goal every 46 minutes in the Bundesliga this season. He's That's 27 crazy. years old. He's in his prime. Okay. He does that because he takes more shots than anybody else in the league. Brighton take more shots than any other team in the league because Roberto De Zerbi generates a system that allows his team to do that. If I have a manager who loves to take shots, I have a striker who loves to take shots, and the team creates chances for the striker to take shots, I'm convinced I have goals here. And I have goals in a Brighton way. I have goals in the Ivan Tony way, who would have been a great shout that I didn't think of until right now. By the way, <laughs> I did think of Ivan Tony, to be honest. Yeah, Ivan Tony's a great option, to be honest. And I'm fine with Ivan Tony also being purchased if you yeah. want to go for that, because Ivan Tony has all the skill sets necessary. But Gerasi doesn't have a huge name, which means where's the focus of the team going to be? It's not going to be on him. You're going to look at all the money that's been invested across the squad and go, you're going to kind of furrow your brow. Like, but where's who? Yeah, where's the name? Where's the name? Who's the who's the guy? Who am I gonna who am I gonna yell at? Where did the money go? Don't go right. Yeah. And all of a sudden, United are top of the league because they have the greatest team ever assembled. And <laughs> you're, you're Roberto Deserve, he's coaching them, and you're like, yo, Sir Grassi, what, what are you doing? Where have you been, bro? What, yeah. what nation do you play for? You're not even you're not supposed to be this good. And he's like, Yeah, I just you know take a lot of shots whenever I get chances and miss 100 of the shots. Don't take. I play next to go. Florian Verts and Kubo, who provide me all the chances in the world. Right. All of a sudden, you have 20 goals leading the line here from a name you didn't expect it to be. You have chances coming in off the right. You have overloads on the on the right side from overlaps. You have game-dictating players in midfield with Zubamendi and Verts, who on ball are outstanding. You have game-destroyers in midfield, like Paulinha and Zubamendi, who can just pick up and, uh, the pieces whenever necessary. Rashford is hit or miss, but you'll figure it out because there are other options. It doesn't have to be perfect. And the back three in-game... Has all the attributes you need to complement each other. Bro, somehow, we've built a... I, me, with my football knowledge and research that I've done, I've built a perfect squad for Manchester United, and I started from zero. And I think that this is actually possible, because Chelsea just did it. Fire everyone, or don't fire them. Banish them to the reserves. I don't care. If you can't sell them, I don't care. Get all these players. Florian Verts will be your most expensive purchase. Everyone else, realistically, shouldn't be that expensive, especially when Paulinho you start... Fulham, Fulham would try to rip your arm off. Yeah, okay, fair. A lot of these teams will probably do, but it's not, but fine. Like within reason, none of these are blockbuster signings, right? You you did sell Bruno, so you would be able to recoup some money there. You know, you're going to sell Sancho, probably what, like 40 million there? Just also Anthony, also Varane, also anybody anybody you want, come and get them. I would tell every player, tell your agent to to find you a new squad. Tell your agent, find you a new squad. You're going to be able to get. At least 80. There you go. I don't yeah. care about net spend. Because you know what? Whatever the Who net cares? spend is, it'll be the last time. There'll be no more. No more of this. We need to spend all this money on XYZ and this will fix the problem. Yeah. It's one shot. Sell everyone. Buy everyone. Start from zero. No camera. <laughs> the Zerbi builds the team. It's perfect. I honestly think that it's a better solution than trying to incrementally change it by changing your manager every three years. Adding their influence. New manager comes in. Can't work with these players. Of course. And it doesn't work. I think this is actually the right way to go. Yeah, uh, I believe you. I'm not familiar with him, to be honest, but I, I will definitely keep an eye out. But I went with guaranteed goals. His release clause is 20 mil. Sorry, I had to just say that. 20 million? Wow. In January right now, Gerasi, who's only second to Kane in terms of Bundesliga strikers, ahead of Victor Boniface, by the way. Mm. This dude is not a prospect, but he's somebody who we talked about a couple of weeks ago on uh, biggest, I don't know if it was biggest ballers in the world. I don't remember the episode, but we did bring up Gerasi, who is, it was power rankings. I think it was power rankings. And this dude is in crazy form. He's scoring a goal every 46 minutes. His release clause in January, 20 mil. You can go, go get, get him. him tomorrow. Go get him. Yeah, let's do it.
just create the chances and he'll score. He's proven it. Absolutely. Right there. And, and we know that the Zerbi can the Zerbi system can create chances because that is what yes. they do. Not best, but they, they right. play really good really, football really well. overall. And I forgot to be fair about Ivan Tony. But yeah, Ivan, that, that Ivan Tony one hundred percent walks into this team as well. If you want to get somebody with a little bit more substance, a little bit more abilities, Ivan Tony, sure. Ivan Tony's gonna cost more money. Don't care. Figure it out. I don't care about costing more money because I actually want with Victor <laughs> you can, Rosemian, you can bet to on be it. honest. Bet, bet on it. Bet on it. Bet on it. <laughs> uh, you went, went with Victor Osman. You're crazy. Victor Osman. I just I need a guaranteed goals from a mobile striker that can move, that is going to be a dominant force, um, that is going to tell the team, I am the guy to bring us to the promised land, create for me, and I will score. Don't you worry about that. I'm going to put mm. the ball in the back of the net with headers, with, with shots from any position. I, I needed that. Right. And and he's do a move to be the main guy in one of the biggest clubs in the world. Um and yeah. I, I think he's also my emphasis on this team is versatility for other managers. If this doesn't work and we see Ten Hogs plan through fruition, let's find another another manager that can get the best out of him. But he's definitely going to be my main guy. He's gonna be the main source of goals and and for a main source of goals because I haven't seen patterns of play from Ten Hag yet. I need a striker that is sure of himself to mm. put the ball in the back of net whenever uh, an opportunity arises. And I think if we give Ten Hag the team that I've built here, maybe not Nico Williams, but I'll put the blame squarely on Joe for this. <laughs> not on myself for doing the, my due diligence when Joe told me this name, but fully right. on Joe. <laughs> you asked your scouts. My scouts were better than yeah, my, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, but you know what Joe's gonna say? Joe's gonna be like, "Bro, I've won the Champions League three times with with Nico Williams, yeah, yeah. a football manager. Big time. He's really good. <laughs> He's like, bro, he I'll manage really the team. Don't worry, I'll get the best out of him. <laughs> you've produced the most FIFA lineup I've ever heard for any totally. rebuild we've ever done. This totally. would be in FIFA. This is the most fun team. The front three of Rashford, Osimhen, and Nico Williams with your fullbacks of his stupid on and and Denzel Dumfries with Cassie, Bruno, and Palinia in the midfield. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's hilarious bro that'll be a lot of fun to be fair it won't fix any problems but it'll be so much fun <laughs> to watch united play genuinely you'll have all the same issues all the same criticism nothing will get better from that team but it will be so fun it's to gonna be entertaining play. for at least it will be it will be so much fun i think you should bring in a more fun manager and just have fun with it at that point and just go vibes just go for chaos yeah i love it yeah, that's exactly like that. That's a lot of fun. That's a lot of fun to be fair. And I can't, that's not a bad thing. Not even <laughs> being patronizing. That is genuinely fun as hell. Um, though the team that I've assembled here, I think is, is absolutely preposterous. I'll, I'll take and, your word for it. I'll take your word for it. Obviously I, I think that the team can go farther with the Zerbian in the helm. Like, yeah, just arguments aside. I think that he is more of a, he's got more of a defined approach on, and I said at the top of this episode that I just wanted to see, I, I wanted to give Ten Hag the benefit of the doubt and see where he can go because we've said this so many times. Rarely is it the manager's fault when everything else is going wrong. Let's see what you can do right. when very little is is going wrong besides your control on the pitch. Um, right. So yeah, but I, I think yeah. the team that you've assembled, I'll, I'll take your word for it on some of these players, but I believe you. I trust you. Other attacking options, by the way, just because I didn't mention them. Chavi Simons, awesome mm. baller. Thank you. Nice, sick. Pretty Lataro much anywhere because the instincts that he has is awesome. No, I didn't bring in Lataro. I just have I have very feasible options. I think Chavi Simons plays football in a way that does not require much coaching, and I think 
to liberate him in the middle mm-hmm. of the park. I think that he can actually do a lot of things really well, especially if he's not the only guy there who can do it. Um, Pedro Neto, I'm so upset that Pedro Neto cannot stay fit. Pedro Neto, I pitched to Atletico Madrid in a rebuild four years ago. I've had this <laughs> dude in mind for his skill set for so long. At any time he starts to build any form, Andrew. he hurts himself. He he hurt himself so bad, bro. He t- he literally started a run from like his own half, dribbled through like four or five players, and then pulled his hamstring. Uh, like in the most FIFA way, anybody who's played FIFA has seen this happen, where you're like about to shoot, and he's like, oh, uh, collapses yeah, over. It. He's like, oh my god, are you serious, bro? He's Starts still, by the back. way, this season, he has the most assists in the Prem, and I think playing on either wing would be fantastic. I think on the left because he's left footed, he'd be very Leroy Sané in the way that he takes people on and just kind of glides up the pitch with cutbacks. And I think off the right, he has more to offer to his game because he can kind of cut in and build on it. Um, also, Victor Boniface is a monster. I think that he's going to go for a lot of money and might be a cheaper Nigerian Victor than Osiman. Yeah. If you're looking for one. Um, Ivan Tony, I should have mentioned earlier because that absolutely would be a profile that would fit for this team. There's also the Evan Ferguson factor because Deserby loves him and he is going to be a big time player one day, but he's going to cost a fortune, bro. He's going to cost so much money that I don't think that you can buy him until he's basically producing Harry Almost Kane done. numbers. <laughs> for it to, no, just like when, when you know that he's Harry Kane's regen, which was what Someone's he wanted to, to go be. spend crazy money to get him. Right. But then at least, you know, oh, I'm buying Kane. Yeah. Right. It's not, oh, well, you know, Evan Ferguson, do I know? How good is he? You'll know at that point. And then no Matoma more question marks just, on him. Right. Matoma, I just put as a guaranteed understudy for Rashford if necessary. We didn't talk about the prospects like Palestri or like Garnacho, who do have things to offer to this team. I want to ask you, I, by the way, Hoyland was the other name who I kept around this squad because I don't As think backup, same. I don't think it's fair to judge him just yet. I don't yeah, entirely 20. know. Yeah, and that's why he's been at the club for what, four months with three exactly. international breaks? Like, he hasn't played. Like, yeah, so, he's like, overpriced, I, but so what? Like, almost everybody else on the team is. So, yeah, uh, let's try to give him a benefit. I think of the he still here. has upside potential. So, I want to see what he could do. I want to do get your thoughts, though. Would you clear out like the Garnachos and the Palestries of the world? How how much faith do you have in them to produce and become like genuine squad members? I think with coaching, Garnacho has a little bit more to offer than Palistri. So I maybe would mm. loan out Palistri, try to see if we can get a good fit for him in terms of his attributes, maybe send him to somewhere like Holland or something. Cause he mm. he's really good on, on a counter attack. He's really good in terms of just his pace and using his ability to get to the byline and, and cut back or, or go towards goal. So maybe that maybe somewhere in Germany would suit him, but you're not going to have enough time to develop your skills over here. So try right. to try to send him out and develop those skills. Whereas keep Garnacho and try to coach him uh, as much as possible and, uh, and see if you can get something out of him. But uh, those are names that I would keep as, as well as Hoyland, just as you did. But uh, brethren, you know, what's shocked me so far, What? none of us have kept Anthony Martial. <laughs> wow. Yo, but hold on. What about the Ballon d'Or? But the Twitter people are going to be so <laughs> mad at us, dude. Like, he's yeah. got What's something. United Trade going to set his profile? On his <laughs> day, bro. He's got it. He's one of the best in bro. the world. Ice cold hey. Anthony Martial. Don't you forget, this is not the next Thierry Henry. Okay? No, no. This is the, the first, first Anthony Martial. It is and very hopefully true, the last. That is very true, to be honest. Hopefully that is a true statement. Not in the way that they thought it was going to be, but. No, exactly. <laughs> they were, it just didn't work out. Anyway. That's we've been going for some time, but that's pretty much that's that's fixing Manchester United again, bro. 
we had to devote a meaningful amount of time to a problem that for you is near and dear to your heart. For me, it's just, it's integrity, bro. I have yeah. to, I cannot. It's like the Spurs let... rebuild. None of us love Spurs. In fact, we hate, like we, we don't we care. Spurs. Couldn't Still care won't less. do a Liverpool rebuild though. So upset. Because no, they figured it out. They know what they're doing. They, they, they're they of the yeah, they, TJW they clock, doing, to yeah, be fair. To be honest. Yeah, they got it. They looked at Dominic Silva's slide. There's like, Nathan, you rate him? I'm like, oh yeah. And they're like, all right, I'm, so we're going to get I'm it. emailing no. Sir Jim Radcliffe this episode though. but okay this is what we thought at the time it would have been right but nobody pulled the trigger now this one this is topical do this right now and it's gonna be great i'm sure he's emailed something like sir james.ratcliffe at gmail.com or at manchester.com or something like that i think it's at at (laughs) icloud.com at at like aneos racing (laughs) team.com at aol yeah yeah maybe.co.uk who knows it's something like that we'll have to find it we'll we'll look him up on linkedin We'll see if we can find them. Like, oi, Jim, figured it out for you. <laughs> saved you some money. Spent some money. Spent some of your money, but saved you some money. Yeah, that's okay. hiring people to do this. You're welcome. Anyway, that's got to wrap episode number 219 of the Jersey Wall podcast. As always, I've been your host, Mr. Nathan Santos, with me at Brethren FC, Mina Gully. Today, we fixed Manchester United again. Once again, yeah. <laughs> and we hope you enjoyed. It was some great content for us to do. It was a lot of fun doing rebuilds. We, we haven't been able to do them because not a lot of clubs needed them. United are I mean, bro, we could do this. I hope, Mina, 18 months from now, we're yeah, doing Yeah, we'll do again. it in two years. Don't worry, guys. We'll be yeah. back here in 2025. <laughs> we'll same, Epis- same shit. Episode 301. We'll be... Yeah, uh... we'll do it. <laughs> we'll do it again. See you guys in the anyway. next one. For sure. See you at the next one. For now, we love you. We thank you all for listening each and every week to the Jersey Wall podcast. Uh, and if you want to find more TGW content, click the link in the description. Otherwise, take care. We love you. And we'll see you next time right here on the Jersey Wall.